0: Psalms, you can open to the middle of your Bible, Psalm 56, and if you have an Afrikaans Bible, uh, has someone, can you share a Bible, have you got two Bibles or one, someone got an ESV, an extra, okay. Okay, that's Rach Tami. Okay, thank you, Peter. Psalm 56. I'm continuing the series on interpersonal problems, and tonight I'm going to talk to you about bullying, Bully bullying. If, you, if you've got an Afrikaans Bible, then you're going to be English is one verse behind. So if I say I'm going to preach in English, so if I say verse five. Then in the Afrikaans, you have to look at verse 6. Okay. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we draw near to the throne of grace and pray to you, the Most High, the Almighty One, and ask that you would speak to us tonight, that you would give us an open heart, not only ears to hear a sound, but a heart to receive the truth of God by the power of your spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. So perhaps you saw this article on News 24 or some other news network, maybe on Facebook or on WhatsApp even. Last year, there was a case in KwaZulu-Natal of a grade 11 girl bullying another girl. She slapped her, she kicked her, she tore her clothes, and that girl... uh, The family of this, the the victim, then went and made a case. And so there was a court case. And the bully failed to arrive in court. And what happens if you don't obey a summons to uh, appear in court? Well, she went to jail for three months. She was sentenced three months in jail. She was actually only 16 years old, um, not, not 17 yet. Now some of you hear this and might want to answer this question just for yourself. Don't put up your hand, or maybe I should ask this. Maybe I want to ask you to put up your hand. Who of you ever I'm talking about from nursery school days, primary school, high school, university and even as an adult. Who have you ever been bullied? even in school? All right. Uh, maybe physically bullied, maybe just verbally, people calling you names, or people teasing you, maybe teasing you for the way you look, your eyebrows are too bushy, or your teeth are skew, or whatever, people really breaking you down, people pushing you out, maybe people making sexual comments to you, toward you, and about you, maybe people uh, destroying your property, your school case, or your homework, or your textbook, or maybe even at work scratching your car with a key or a stone or deflating your tires, your car's tires and you come out or maybe they broke your, side, your door mirrors off your car. I've heard of things like that. So what should you do in, a, in circumstances like that, in a case like that? Psalm 56 is God's anti-bullying manual. So let's read Psalm 56. To the choir master according to the dove on far-off terebinths. Terebinths are, are trees. Terebinthine A midcom of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. Many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they've waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know. That God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you've delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. Number one, David's circumstances. And that is the heading in your Bible or in the Afrikaans Bible, verse one. Sometimes, when you go through hard times, when you suffer, just the fact that you know that someone else has gone through the same suffering, you're not suffering alone, sometimes just knowing that helps you to bear the suffering. It makes the suffering more bearable. Like in 1 Peter 5 verse 9, Peter writes to the Christians and he says, your brother throughout the world is enduring the suffering. It's not you, you're not suffering alone. And this is what, what this psalm helps us to understand. Look at, look at that little heading in the ESV or verse 1 in the Afrikaans. To the choir master according to the dove. To the choir master. So, so David really is writing the psalm and he wants them to, to sing this in church, in the temple. This must be sung. It's like he's saying, I want everyone to, to understand what I've experienced. Because there are other people who are going to be there in that ch- church service, in that temple service. And they've gone through suffering like that too. And this will encourage them. This will help them. Comforting. And then he says in that uh, heading, according to the dove on far off terebinths. So you know a dove, When you, you, let's say you're in the bush felt, camping, and far away in the thorn trees, now in this case the terebinth trees, you hear the doves moaning, it sounds like they're crying. And so David is like, he's saying, Lord, I'm crying, Lord, I'm saddened, Lord, I'm afraid, Lord, I'm broken, these enemies are chasing me, they're bullying me. Now the Hebrew can also be translated in the dove, the quiet dove in far off countries. Now where's David when he writes this? He's in Gath. This is a city of the Philistines. So David's saying, I'm far away and it's like no one's hearing my call. No one's hearing my cry. What are the circumstances? Well, I read the circumstances in 1 Samuel. Saul, remember Saul is hunting David. He wants to kill David. And David's running away and he's fleeing. And Saul just keeps on, he's going to hunt this guy down. And eventually David runs away. He comes to the the country of the Philistines. And he's in the city called called Gath. Now, who wants to guess what famous, what well-known Philistine came from Gath? Goliath the giant. remember David killed him and these Philistines remember that and so David is very afraid when the Philistines capture him and say our enemy we got him and they bring him before before Achish the king of the Philistines and David is terribly afraid now maybe you've been afraid like that of a bully someone who wants to cause you harm maybe a bully at work Maybe a bully at school. I remember when I was in school, I was 11 years old. And a, a, another kid punched me in the stomach. Now, uh, many of you don't know what, or maybe maybe those who have never been punched in the stomach, you don't know what that feels like. It's, you can't breathe. And then when I was 12 years old, after cricket practice, uh, uh, we were walking home after cricket practice, and in the street, another kid, I was walking next to him, and he kicked me in the stomach. And I was afraid of those those two boys at school, just like David's afraid. And for some people, when they get bullied like this, what is the only way they see out? The only way they think I can get out of this is by committing suicide. Have you heard of cases like that, where kids who get bullied, they commit suicide. They want to kill themselves. But that's not the solution. The rest of the psalm is the solution. And we're going to see this. Number two, David's refuge. And that is in verse... One to to four in the English, two to five in the Afrikaans. One to four. Have you ever heard Christians say this? And maybe you've said this. So you're in a crisis, you're in trouble. And so what you say is, I've tried everything. All we can do now is pray. (laughs) That's the wrong way around. Prayer is the most important thing you should do. Prayer is the first thing you should do. Look at David in verse 2. Be gracious, or verse 1 English, be gracious to me, O God. David is praying, this whole psalm is a prayer. He calls to God to help him. And you should do the same when the bully comes and you're being bullied at school, or being bullied by someone at work, or bullied in the family, or bullied in your marriage. Then you go to the Lord and you pour your heart out before Him. Psalm 62, verse 8, verse 9 in the English. Um, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. Cast all your burdens on the Lord because He cares for you. Do not be anxious for anything, anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, or through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So so you go to the Lord in prayer and you pour your heart out to God and plead for help. Now David here is praying in verse one, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. Man tramples on me, and then it continues all day long. and An attacker oppresses me. Now the Hebrew word there, in Hebrew, it literally says, "My enemies pant after me." Pant or haych. It's like they're chasing David. They're chasing David, and they after him. And sometimes, even when someone is angry, I've seen someone get angry like that today. They're so angry. And this is what's happening. These enemies of David. And then uh, what they want to do is they want to trample. They want to trample him to the dust. met de bully. Nee. bully grond And in David's case, look at verse 1. End of verse 1. All day an attacker oppresses me. Verse 2. My enemies trample on me all day long. Verse 5. All day long. They injure my cause. So for David, this bullying is happening every day and all day. Literally. David, uh, King Saul is chasing David every single day. And also these Philistines at this moment. Maybe you felt like that. You know, break time. Every break time, the bully is there. Every day at school, you're being bullied. Every day when you want to go to work, you're being bullied. And these bullies are fighters, verse uh, verse one, again, be gracious to me. Man tramples on me all day long, and attacker oppresses me. He's an attacker. He's a fighter. I don't know if the Afrikaans speak of military, In verse two, I think the 20-20 of military, in So these people are fighters. They want to fight, and they've got they, they like they're part of a gang. Uh, these these people it's they don't they don't come on their own because in verse one. It says, an enemy, or man, and then an attacker, singular. And then in verse 2, enemies, plural. Why does he use plural, more than one? Because in, uh, bullies are like hyenas. You know what hyenas do? Strength in numbers. Hyena on his own. Of is made an hyena uh, in Botswana, right? Hyena on his own is a bit of a coward. But when they in a group, and that's what bullies are like. Singular, okay, there's an attacker, verse 1, but verse 2, man, they come in a group. This attacker in verse 1, he's got friends. And so they come, and they're not cowards when they're in groups, but meet them on their own. Some, some of them are cowards. And they're proud. Verse 2, my enemies trample on me all day long. Many attack me proudly. From a height, it's like they're looking down, they're scoffing at the victim. And they, they exalt themselves above this victim. But actually, even though they exalt themselves, they're such proud people, actually they're weak people. Bullies are weak people. They're filled with fear. And in many cases, the bully himself is a victim of other bullies. Maybe his dad is bullying him at home. Or someone else or he has been bullied in the past. And now why does he bully? The reason he bullies, it's, it's, maybe it's a way to kind of cover up. To hide the fact that he's hurting. And also to try and convince himself, I'm not weak, I'm strong. Even though other people bully me, and you don't know he's being bullied, but he comes to school and now he wants to beat up everyone and bully everyone. You see, bullies are people pleasers. Bullies are, they're afraid of people. I'll give you an example from the Bible. They're afraid of people, so the reason they bully is to kind of intimidate you. An example, Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he was afraid of the Israelites, it said. And what did he do? He bullied them. So he now oppresses them because he's trying to hide them. I said, now I'm afraid. So let's just oppress them and kind of keep them under my thumb. You see, for the bully, people are his reference point. There's his reference point. That's his reference point. His whole life revolves around controlling other people. And if he can't control other people, then his whole world crumbles. I know a man like that. Or let me say, I knew a man like that because he killed himself in the end. I knew a man like that who bullied other people. He bullied me. And he bullied his wife. And he bullied his congregation because he was a pastor. And then he bullied... Children in the youth of the church, and he bullied them so badly that he was then sued. And when he went to court and he got into trouble with the law, he killed himself. He would rather kill himself than not control other people. And obviously, it's not only the bully a, who fears men, but the, the victim. He's afraid of the bully. So the victim is also someone who fears people. I mean, David, he was terrified. In 1 Samuel, the passage I read earlier in the service, he was terrified of the Philistines. He was terrified of King Achish because now he's in front of his enemies. He's afraid. I remember fearing a a bully not many years ago. I thought that particular day the guy's going to beat me up and it was a a fris old, so a great old. And he got out of his car and he walked toward me and he said, now it's you and me. Because he was living a life of disobedience to God and sin and we had to rebuke him in the church. Uh, I, I spoke to him personally and he would not repent and you know the steps of church discipline. And so he walked up to me and said, now it's you and me. And I said, I can't talk to you now. I have an appointment. And I really did. I had to leave at that moment. And he said, you are going nowhere. I had to like cancel that thing. Someone else had to do it. He was so angry. And after that, I was afraid of him. Which is sin from my side, because we should not fear people. We should take our problems to the Lord. Maybe you're afraid of a bully. Uh, as I said earlier, you don't want to go to school. You don't want to go to work. You don't even want to leave the house for fear of maybe meeting the bully somewhere and it can become so bad that people become depressed and they drink drink antidepressants, they take antidepressants and you just think this person's depressed but he doesn't tell you why he's depressed and what's really happening behind the scenes and where no one knows. Maybe you've even gone to alcohol or to drugs just to try and cope because of people bullying you. Maybe you've even become sick so you get these tension headaches you're so anxious, and you get tension, headaches, and, and maybe you, I've, I've had this before, where you, your chest pains. You get pains on your chest. They're climbing up your balls. And so you go to the doctor, and you think you're going to get a heart attack. It's not a heart attack. It's anxiety. And so it's being, this fear of the bully. And then you go to the doctor, and the doctor obviously gives you a doctor's letter. you booked off work, and you're so happy you booked off work. And you're so happy you booked off school. You don't have to go because you don't want to face the bully. And you don't want to tell anyone what's really happening because the bully is threatening you. And he's saying to you, you tell anyone, I'm going to do this and this to you. And so you're really afraid and he's manipulating you. Maybe you've been manipulated by cyberbullying. You know what cyberbullying is? Cuber, query more african bully Cyberbullying is when someone sends you an email, a rotten email at work, and he threatens you and manipulates you and says bad things to you and he humiliates you. And then he CCs everyone in the office. He puts their email address, but it's, it's, had, I had an email like that many years ago, written to me, saying this and that, one thing and the other, and it was sent to the whole church. <laughs> That's cyberbullying. Or cyberbullying can be someone posts pornography on your Facebook page on your, or, or your, uh, your social media profile. So they hack your page, they post pornography, and then they threaten you. And they manipulate you. If you don't do what I tell you, then I'm going to show everyone what you've got on your page. And they'll think it's you. Or uh, maybe something of that sort. And maybe you've been foolish. You had a moment where you were foolish. And you took a selfie, a picture of yourself, and not a nice picture of yourself. And you sent it to someone, and now they blackmailing you with that, saying, if you don't do this and this or something I want you to do, I'm going to send this photo. I've got this photo of you, and I'll send it to everyone. All right, what should you do in a case like that? Well, first of all, if you have sinned, then you should confess that sin and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. It was foolish. I should not have done that. Please forgive me. And then you do what verse 3 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. You trust in God to fight for you. You trust in the Lord to sort this out for you. And God can, God can stop that bully in his tracks. God can change the bully. God can um, use your parents, uh, your dad, to say, Dad, please help me. God can use the police. You go to the police and you make a case of harassment. And then also... You meditate on God's promises. Now remember, meditate, I don't mean Buddhist you know, emptying the mind. I mean thinking over God's Word, thinking over His promises. You meditate on God's promises and you talk to yourself. You know this famous statement by Martin Lloyd-Jones where he said, Did you know one of the greatest reasons for our depression is that we listen to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves? So don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Look at David in verse 3. So in verse 1, he's praying, and verse 2, and suddenly verse 3, now he talks to himself. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Verse 4 also, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So talk to yourself, remind yourself of God's promises, praise God for His word. The same guy who bullied me some years ago, the guy I thought he was going to beat me up, that same guy also, uh, after a number of clashes he and I had, because I spoke to him about his sin and he would not repent. And finally one day I was on a trip uh, for our church. Not for Kempton ABK but for the Baptist churches. We had meetings. And on the way to the meeting this guy calls me. And he shouts at me. And he slanders my children. And I say, "Alaslah!" and he And you know all kinds of things. Telling me off and all kinds of things shouting in my ear. And so I was very upset, and I was afraid, and I was discouraged, and I was angry. And so the next morning, at the meetings, uh, I read Isaiah 41. And that's just my reading, the next reading for the day. I was busy reading through Isaiah. And I reached chapter 41, and it says in verse 10, uh, a verse many of you know, Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now that verse I knew, but this verse, this really helped and encouraged me. Behold, all who are angry against you, incensed, says the ESV, is very angry. They shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who fight with you or contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Wow, that was such an encouragement. Exactly what David says here. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. And I could praise God for His word that morning, saying, thank you, Lord, for encouraging me and for strengthening me. I mean, Just think about this. What can a human being do to you? What can flesh do? Verse verse 4, at the end. What can flesh do? Verse 12, or verse 11, at least in the English, end of the verse. What can man do to me? I mean, a human being is flesh, not spirit. He can fight against you. She can fight against you. What can they do against the invisible God? Nothing. God is on your side. I mean, what have they got in their noses? Just oxygen. Just breath. And they're going to blow it out one day. They're going to exhale that. They're going to die. They're just like grass. You know what happens to grass that grows in a gutter? In a chiat dies so why are we afraid of humans why am i afraid of people says david what can humans what can people do against your soul can they destroy your soul no do not be afraid of those who can only harm the body and kill the body even but do nothing to the soul your enemies the bullies They can only do what God allows them to do. They cannot go any further. Like in Job chapter 1. Satan, thus far you can go. You can do this and this to Job, but no further. God has drawn the line. And Satan cannot cross that line. It's like John Payton. John Payton was a missionary in the 1800s to the New Hebrides Islands, South Sea Islands. And so he's on on these islands and they're cannibals. You know what cannibals do? They're not nice people cannibals eat you. And so these cannibals want to kill John Payton, and they surround him, a whole group of them, and they've got spears, and they've got guns, muskets that they got from the European traders. They've got muskets, and they've got uh, axes, and they've got, what other weapons they have? Uh, killing stones, maybe like David had in a sling, and clubs, they want to beat you to death. And they're surrounding him, and they're going to kill him now. And he's praying silently to God, and then he he reminds himself that no club will be lifted against him, no killing stone will leave the fingers or the sling, no spear or javelin will leave their hands, no musket will be fired without the permission of Jesus Christ, who has all power in heaven and on earth. Number three, David's enemies, verse 5 to 7. You've heard this saying, and it's nonsense. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. That's nonsense. David knew that. That's why David says in verse 5, all day long they injure my cause, but then if you have an ESV, you'll see a little number 3 there. And at the bottom of, the, or whatever your number is, at the bottom of the page it says, or oh, they twist my words. They twist my words. Either they turning my words, or the Hebrew may, may say that, Uh, Maybe translated, that they're attacking me with their words. And it hurts. You know, people can harm your body, they can beat you up. And then your body is healed, but the wounds that words can make, man, that leaves some scars. That leaves some scars. And that takes longer to heal. And then David's enemies, they also got evil plans against him. Verse 5, end of the verse. Second part, all their thoughts are against me for evil. All their thoughts. It's like they're obsessed. They are obsessed with bullying. They'll bully anyone. They are bullies and they can't rest. All their thoughts are for evil against me. They can't rest until they've they've destroyed David. Like in Proverbs 4 verse 16. They can't go to bed at night before they've hurt someone. They want to hurt other people. I mean, just think of Saul. He's always hunting David. Always hunting David. So what does that show? That tells you, that tells you much more about Saul's heart than it tells you about David's heart. You know, you being bullied at school or at work, it doesn't say much about you. That says much about the bully. That tells you something. He's got some serious emotional problems. He needs a counsel. That bully is a disciple of the devil. That bully, he can control other people, but who can't he control? He can't control himself. Probably unsaved. Like in Galatians 5 verse 20 where it speaks of the works of the flesh, the works of the sinful nature, and one of the works of the flesh, actually a number of them, is enmity and fighting. That's where bullies are in that verse. So you should actually feel sorry for that bully. So Shane, the poor guy who's in the Trap of the devil. He's a slave of Satan. And he needs to be saved. And so pray for your salvation. You see what bullies do is like in verse 6. It says they stir up strife. They stir up strife. They want to fight. They want a reason to fight. I remember that at a show. That Hebrew word where it says they stir up strife. Uh, They're looking for a reason to fight. I remember at a, a show... Uh, I'm talking about like the Rand Easter show, but in small town, Lou So we have a town show. And when I was 14 years old, I went to the show. And I was a small kid when I got to high school. I was 1.5 meters tall. So now, how long says, Okay, I was 1.50. She's 162. Uh, so I was really small, and I weighed 33 kilograms. And there was this big kid, also grade 8. And for absolutely no reason, he walks up to me and he shoves me, pushes me. And I thought, what's he doing? Maybe he wants to play. And I push him back. And then he starts swearing at me and threatening me he's going to beat me up. For no reason. This is how, these, how bullies are, what they like. Uh, they stir up strife. They want to fight. And I was, I was very scared of that kid at school after that. I avoided him because I knew this guy would beat me up and he's big. And then you find this, in David's case, the same thing. These enemies, it says in verse 6, they lurk. you what's lurk? They they want to take your psalmies. <laughs> and so they, this is exactly what Saul did. In chapter 59, you read, uh, this is when David read, ran away from Saul, in the heading there, and then in verse 3, Psalm 59, they lie in wait for my life. The Philistines did it, Saul did the same thing, lying in wait. In 1 Samuel 19, Saul even sent some of his men to watch David's house because they want to kill him. The, they did the same with Jesus, right? They watched him, they want to catch him every step of the way. So Saul, Saul has got these, uh, I don't know it's in English, informants. What's the correct word? Okay. Spies, informants. So he's got spies, he's got informants. You've seen this. You've seen this. You read the story of David. He's running away. Saul Saul wants to kill him. Saul is on his track. He wants his blood. And then someone says, Saul, Saul, we got him. He's hiding here. Saul, he's hiding there. And so we got this in verse 6. They watch my steps. They watch my steps. Every movement you get... You get manipulators like that in life. Some husbands are like that. They manipulate their wives. They, they watch every, every step of it. They, they like, they're tracking their wife's phone. Where is she? What's she doing? Where is she spending money? Who is she phoning? Where, is she, where does she go with the car? And the Lord will punish bullies like that. He will not let them get away. Verse 8. Or is it verse 7? For their crime will they escape. They will not escape. God will catch them. Romans 12 verse 19, you just leave it to the Lord. Leave room for the wrath of God. God will avenge. God will take vengeance and He will punish these bullies. So David prays against them in verse 7. For their crime will they escape in wrath, in anger. Cast down the peoples, O God. He's talking about Saul and he's talking about the Philistines. Cast down these peoples, O God. So you you don't avenge yourself. You don't take vengeance yourself. Leave it to God. God will take vengeance. God will punish them. God will get at them. So just leave the bully. God can deal with the bully better than you and I can. God is there when the bully is sleeping. And so while you leave the bully in God's hands, what should you do? Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who curse you. Don't curse them. Bless those who curse you. And then verse 17 to 21, if your enemy is hungry, you give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. I think it says verse 20. And then in verse 21, overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then if the bully assaults you, if it's a case of grievous body arm, you, were, you had that case, Greg, earlier this year. If it's a case, was it this year? Uh, grievous body arm, maybe end of last year, I can't remember. This year. So what you do then, you go to the police. Now I know the police won't always help you. Have they sorted out your thing? Still not. Uh, But you go to the police and you make a case because that's one of the ways that God that God uh, avenges, that God takes vengeance and punishes his enemies. And you pray against nations, even. Verse 7 at the end. In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. Plural. You pray against the Taliban in Afghanistan. The Taliban, they're oppressing Christians, they persecuting, they're killing Christians. So pray against them and then you also intervene if you can, intervene for the victim and stand between the bully and the victim. I know of a case like that of an American guy. He was in Lutrichor, the town I grew up, and he's quite a tall guy. He's about as tall as my father, Dan Minton. And so he saw a man assaulting a woman. But this is a drunk guy right on the pavement. And he stopped his bucky and he jumped out and he got the guy down and he pinned him on the ground. And the guy got up. And Dan pinned him down again. That's a good thing. Stand up for the victim. Defend them if you can. Number four. David's God. David's God. That's in verse 8 to 11. Some years ago, at the high school that I attended, but this was a number of years after I'd already finished school and started working, but a guy came with a knife when when the school came out and he threatened one of the school kids with a knife and then stole the cell phone, the kid's phone. And a few minutes later, the dad was there And he picked up his kid at school and the kid said, this is what happened. And the dad went after that guy. And they went to look for him. And they saw him running and they chased him. And did he have a bucky? Because he drove into your palisades to try and crush the guy against the fence. Now, I'm not saying God is like that. God isn't someone who's bloodthirsty and wants to just destroy. But in another sense, God is like that father, like that dad. Because he protects his children. And God does this in the case of David. You see David running away. And God uh, God knows of everything that's been happening. And God, it's like David knows. And he says, Lord, you know. You know. And you will protect me. Verse uh, verse 8. You have kept kept count of my tossings. You know everything, Lord. (laughs) Kept count of that tossings, which means... When I turn around in bed, I can't sleep because I'm afraid. I'm thinking about these bullies. I can't fall asleep. Or another translation, and I think perhaps a better translation from the Hebrew, where it says, you've kept count of my wanderings. I've been running around. I've been running away for many months now from Saul who's trying to kill me. Maybe for a few years I've been running. And you see this, and you see my tears. Verse 8, you put my tears in your bottle. It's like the Lord saying, I know you're crying at night and you can't sleep and the the same with you I don't know who who am I preaching to tonight I know you but I don't know if you're being bullied and maybe you're like that you're crying maybe some school kids you're crying because you're being bullied every day the Lord sees that the Lord sees those tears like verse 8 says and God keeps a record of all that's been happening to you verse 8 end of the verse are they not in your book There's a book of remembrance, says Malachi 3 verse 16. The Lord knows. And then God answers. How long does God take before He answers David's prayer? What does verse 9 say in your Bible? Or verse 10 in the Afrikaans? How long does God take before He answers the prayer? In the day I call. Immediately, the Lord brings an answer. And the, and the Lord turns back the enemy, says verse 9. My enemies will turn back. That happened, that happened to the letter with Saul. Because Saul was chasing David to kill him. And in 1 Samuel 23, we read that as he was chasing David, and he was closing in and going to get David. And then it says, and someone came and said, Saul, the Philistines have attacked that city. And Saul has to turn around. The Lord heard that prayer. And he helped David. It's, it's it's not uncommon for God to answer prayer immediately. You find that in the Bible. In the day I call you answered, like this verse, or Psalm 138, same kind of thing in verse, I think it must be verse 2 in the, in the English. Maybe I'm mistaken there, but just check it, you'll see it. Uh, Daniel, I read Daniel. Do you remember? Those of you who were in the prayer meeting this morning, I read Daniel chapter 9 and 10. The day Daniel started praying, God answered. And God can do the same for you. So please, don't trust in your unstable emotions. When you are being bullied, your emotions are up and down. And you think, the Lord has forgotten me. Now the Lord, thank you Lord for remembering, and the Lord has forgotten me. Don't trust in your unstable emotions. Trust and go upon or rely on what you know what do you know for a fact the answer is in verse 10 in the Afrikaans verse 9 sorry 9 in the English end of the verse this I know I can't trust my emotions but I can trust God's promises I know that God is for me isn't there a verse in the Bible somewhere else that says that God is for me who can be against me? Romans 8.31 So tell yourself, Who is this God who is on your side? Who is this God who is your protector and your helper? Verse 10 In God whose word I praise? In the Lord. Who is that Lord? That is God's covenant name. You know what a covenant is? It's like an agreement. So God, God makes an agreement with, with Israel and with David, who's one of the Israelites. He makes an agreement and says, for those who trust in me, I will be your God and you will be my people. Listen, God has made a promise. God has covenanted himself. God has bound himself. himself forbid To protect his people. God says, excuse me, I just need a, Something from my throat. God has promised that he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. God won't have that. If someone touches God's children, you touch God, and then you're in trouble. And so the Lord says, it's like the, uh, Psalm 119, where the psalmist prays in verse 94, I'm yours, save me. And like David is saying, Lord, I'm yours. Please protect me. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are the covenant God. Verse 10 and 11 again. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? So trust Him. And finally, number five. David's praise. And that's in verse 12 and 13. Martin Holt, the Baptist South African Baptist preacher who's now in heaven, Martin Holt once had a crisis, a difficult situation, and he pleaded with God to answer his prayer. And he said, Lord, please help us. Please help us. And if you answer this prayer, I will never again drink coffee. And then he said, what did I say? And God answered that prayer and Martin Holt, as far as I know, kept that promise. And David did something similar. In verse 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God. Like David is saying, I made a promise, Lord. These, bully, these bullies, these people who want my life, please help me, Lord. If you will help me, I promise. And I don't know what David promised. But he said, I must perform my vows. I will render thank offerings to you. And so David is making, getting ready to fulfill that promise because God has helped him. Have you made a promise like that? Anyone here? Don't put up your hand. Anyone here made a promise like that? Lord, please, if you help me, I will. Have you ever done that because of bullies? Lord, please, if you help me against these bullies, I will. If you've made a promise like that, what must you do? You must keep it. Uh, Remember what, What Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5. Maybe I should just refresh your memory. Prediker in Afrikaans. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Here's a warning for you. Afrikaans is verse 3 and 4. And now I need to fix up the English here. Verse 2. Be not rash with your mouth. Don't let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, because God is in heaven, you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. No, verse 4, sorry. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. If you've promised to do something, Lord, if you help me, I will. Then you must keep that promise. Verse 5, it's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So rather not make a promise. Rather do what Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What did the Lord do for David? Last verse, we're almost done. What did the Lord do for David? Verse 13. You have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. Oh yes, he did. That text I just read just now, you remember the story? David acted as if he were insane, those cuckoos. And the spit runs down the beard. (laughs) And he does that so he can get away. And it worked. And he gets away. Chapter 22 verse 1 says he escaped. But you know what happened after that? God answered the prayer because he says in verse 13, You've delivered me. And what happens next? Saul is on his case again. Saul's chasing him. But the Lord answered the prayer in the moment. The Lord saved him from that situation. What's the lesson we get from this? I think the lesson I take from this is, don't be discouraged. You're in a situation where you're very afraid of this bully, and you say, Lord, help me, and the Lord helps you. What do you do if the bully comes back later? Because this is what happened to David. He escaped from the Philistines and then Saul is after him again. What you do is, you do Psalm 56 again. Do it again. And trust in the Lord. Okay. Let me just have two more minutes for those who are not bullied. Many of you are sitting here and saying, I'm not being bullied at all. That's good. Be thankful. But, are you free... From the big bullies. Who are the three big bullies in the Bible? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Are you free? Have you escaped from those bullies? How do you escape from those bullies? Jesus can set you free. Jesus has broken, he has crushed those bullies. And he did so when he died on the cross. So you ask Jesus... And say, please, apply that to me personally. Can I get the benefits of it? Set me free from the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't want you to put up your hand. But you who of you have not been bullied by the devil? Or your own sin? So ask the Lord, please break the power of these bullies in my life. Just like the Lord did for David. End of verse 14. That I may walk before God in the light of life. David was sinking down into the darkness of death. And God brings him up into the light of life. And he can live before the Lord. And God can do the same for you tonight. The Lord can do the same for you. Now I shouldn't say it so loud. and you say I'm bullying you. (laughs) God can do the same for you. He can deliver you from all the visible and the invisible bullies. And He can help you. And He does so why? Verse 13 at the end. So that you can walk before God. Koram ne? That you can walk before God in the light of life. And you can enjoy the life that God gives. And that goes, that goes for not only the victims of bullies. That goes for the bully himself. God can save you. God can forgive your sin. And he can change you in someone who doesn't bully other people, but helps other people. A peacemaker, a peaceful person. I wonder one of the biggest bullies in the Bible that became a Christian. You know what his name is? Paul. Paul. He was a bully. He persecuted Christians. And God stops him in his tracks. And if God can save Paul... And if God can change Paul from a bully to a peace lover and someone who makes peace and someone who shares the good news of peace, then God can save the biggest bully. I don't care who he is or she is. God can save that bully and change them into someone who loves Jesus and who helps other people. Even if they were bullies who have been bullying people for many years, God can save them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank You for Your salvation, for Your comfort, for Your encouragement for the victims of bullies and even for the bullies themselves that they can turn to You and be forgiven and become people who fix things and are reconciled to others and who protect the vulnerable and the weak and don't bully them. And I pray that You would do so indeed. You know you know what you want to do through this sermon tonight, Lord. You know who, who feels hurt in their hearts. You know who has been wounded by bullies. You know who are the bullies, who those bullies are. and They need to repent and I pray that you would speak to each and to all according to the need in their lives and their hearts. And you would accomplish your purposes for the glory of your name And for Jesus' sake, Amen.